0: Hallelujah, Christ is risen. I speak in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, here we are, the second Sunday of Easter, and I hope we're still riding high after the drama of Holy Week and the glory of the Easter Vigil and Easter Sunday. Eastertide is a whole season, of course, 50 days of celebration, 10 days longer than Lent. But when we arrive today, we find ourselves on the Sunday often referred to as Low Sunday because the church expects there to be far fewer people today than there were last week. This is also known as Doubting Thomas Sunday, because no matter the year, we always hear his story today. And we preachers make much of poor Thomas, remembered forever as doubting. We use Thomas as an object lesson each year, either as a warning not to doubt, not to doubt but to believe, or as a model of how even we faithful believers are allowed to have doubts. And these are good themes. They are worthy to be preached on. It's necessary to grapple with doubt for who among us doesn't have questions, doesn't wonder whether what we proclaim is true, doesn't wonder where God is when life gets hard. But the more I study this story, the more I think that it's not so much about doubt and belief as it is about relationship. In fact, I was reminded by scripture scholar Caroline Lewis that belief in the Gospel of John is never a noun, but it is always a verb. To believe in Jesus isn't to believe a whole set of ideas about Jesus, but it's about being in relationship with him. And what we see today in the Gospel is broken relationships. Broken relationships all the way around. The disciples have damaged their relationship with Jesus. They failed him in his final hours. They fell asleep in the garden. Peter denied Jesus three times. Only the beloved disciple John and three Marys, Jesus' mother, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, stayed with Jesus at the cross. And now, We see the disciples on the very evening of the resurrection huddled together behind locked doors, afraid. Mary Magdalene had seen Jesus resurrected outside the tomb and she had hurried to the disciples proclaiming, I have seen the Lord. She had told them all what he had said to her. But what is their response? Is it joy? Is it rushing out into the streets to proclaim the good news? No, they're locked inside a house, afraid. Even Peter and John, who saw the empty tomb, are cowering together with all the disciples except for Thomas. Now, we don't know whether or not they believe in the resurrection story. They just might. But what we do know is that they are Afraid. Afraid of their enemies, yes. Afraid of the religious leaders and the Roman authorities who persecuted and killed their beloved leader and rabbi and who might now be looking for them. But I wonder, are they also afraid because they think they are now all alone, leaderless? Are they afraid, even ashamed, of what they have done? Of having abandoned Jesus, of having denied him, leaving him to suffer alone? Did they hear Mary's news, I have seen the Lord, and did they believe and fear even more then? Fear that Jesus arose as he had predicted and was angry, wrathful ready to mete out punishment for their failures? Were they hiding together, hoping that they would not see the Lord? Perhaps they were starting to turn on one another, blaming one another for all that had gone wrong. After all, when we fail another in our lives, don't we fear? Don't we fear anger? Retribution, aren't we ashamed of how we've failed? And into this room, into the room filled with conflict and fear, Jesus appears. Jesus appears with his wounds. He shows his hands and his side, how he has been hurt, and Jesus offers peace. Peace be with you, he says. Into this room filled with ashamed and guilty disciples, Jesus appears and offers forgiveness. Receive the Holy Spirit, he says. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven into the room where relationships have been ruined, ruined by betrayal and desertion, ruined by accusations and shame, so ruined that they cannot hear Mary Magdalene's good news. Jesus appears and brings reconciliation, peace, forgiveness. That is how we know Jesus is risen. He doesn't respond in anger to their failures. Jesus doesn't come bringing punishment and judgment. Instead, he brings peace and forgiveness and tells his friends that they too are to forgive. Understandably, the disciples rejoice. And when they see Thomas, they repeat Mary Magdalene's pronouncement, we have seen the Lord, they say. But just as they couldn't understand Mary Magdalene earlier, just as they couldn't imagine a resurrected Jesus come with mercy, couldn't imagine that Jesus would still want to be in relationship with them, so Thomas, too, refuses to believe. And because Jesus wants all to believe, to be reconciled with him, to be in relationship with him, he returns and he makes himself vulnerable again, shows his wounds again, invites Thomas to touch them, the very wounds that Thomas and the others failed to prevent, to save him from. And before the loving, forgiving person of Jesus, Thomas falls to his knees and proclaims, My Lord and my God and is restored to right relationship with Jesus. In that moment of tenderness, Thomas knows that it is true. Not only has death been defeated, but so has vengeance, alienation, betrayal, separation, shame. Beloved, Jesus is risen, but he is not unwounded. And out of his wounds, the physical marks left by nails in his hands and feet, feet, the piercing of his side, and the spiritual wounds left by betrayal, denial, and desertion, Jesus brings neither wrath nor retribution. Out of his self-sacrifice, his self-giving love, Jesus brings forth peace. Jesus offers forgiveness. In the midst of fear, Jesus appears with peace, the peace only he can give. In the midst of conflict, Jesus arrives with perhaps the most distinctive mark of the Christian community, forgiveness. Mercy, for only through them may we be reconciled to God, reconciled to one another. In the midst of doubt, Jesus brings not judgment but gentle reassurance. Put your fingers here and see my hands. It's okay. You can touch and see where I am most vulnerable, Jesus seems to be saying to the disciples. For if we can see Jesus' wounds, if we are even invited to touch them, then might we be ready to show our own, to admit where we are afraid, to admit how we are angry, to be honest about why we are ashamed. Peace, forgiveness, reconciliation, these are not ways to force people to believe a number of difficult things. The dead are raised, God became man, death and sin are defeated, though all true. These are ways we are brought into relationship with Jesus, with God with one another. And by loving Jesus, we will know true forgiveness and true peace. And then we need not fear. And then we come to abundant life in him.